A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the White Witch Podcast with me, Carly. Hope you are all well, witches. So, as it turns to September with autumn upon us, I can't help but think of more spooky folklore. I say that and it is a really hot summer's day for September. Today we are going to be talking all about the Banshee. So, in Old Irish, this is spelt... B-E-A-N space S-I-D-H-E, which translates literally to fairy woman or woman of the fairy mound. So we are still sticking within the realms of the fairies on the podcast. Her name is connected to the mythologically important tumuli or mounds that run throughout the Irish countryside. I guess the Banshee has always been of interest to me due to her association with the Morrigan, the dark goddess that I work with. She also has association with the Keeners who would sing sad laments or cry at graveside at Irish funerals. So today we are going to have a go at unravelling this mystery. So I ask you, do you believe in fairies? The Banshee is first and foremost a Celtic disembodied spirit or fairy from Irish legend. She is said to wail, shriek or keen. Her scream is called a kyoin, which means keening, and is said to be an omen of death within a family. According to tradition, the banshee can only cry for five ancient noble Irish families, the O'Neills, the O'Briens, the O'Connors, the O'Grady's and the Kavanaghs. Of course, intermarriage has extended this list. I've seen it said that having a banshee was seen as a family status symbol. It was said that when families emigrated, sometimes their banshee would follow them to the new world. Some other accounts state that the spirit could be left behind in their native homelands, left behind mourning the loss of its charges. In O'Brien's Irish-English Dictionary, he writes to the Banshee, She fairies, or women fairies, credulously supposed by the common people to be so affected to certain families that they are here to sing mournful lamentations about their houses by night, and whenever any of the family labours under a sickness which is to end by death, but no families which are not of ancient and noble stock are believed to be honoured with this fairy privilege. The Banshee is chiefly said to appear in three different guises, a young woman, 
a stately matron, or as an old crone, which of course all represent the triple aspects of the Celtic goddess of war and death. The Morrigan who has, of course, Bave, Matcha and Moriagum. Appearance-wise, I have seen so many variances on how the Banshee shows up, so please bear with me. She is said to show up in her beautiful young woman form, wearing either a white dress, she always is said to have a ghastly complexion, and long, bright red or white hair. I've also seen that she's shown up with a grey hooded cloak with a green dress underneath, or even the grave robe of the dead. In her young woman form, she has appeared also as a sweet singing virgin of the family who died young and has been given the mission by the invisible powers to become the harbinger of coming doom to her mortal kindred. Anne Lady Fanshawe gives a first-hand account in her memoirs of seeing the Banshee as follows. The size of the Banshee is another physical feature that differs between regional accounts. Though some accounts of her standing unnaturally tall are recorded, the majority of tales that describe her height state the Banshee's stature as short, anywhere between one foot and four feet. Her exceptional shortness often goes alongside the description of her as an old woman, though it may also be intended to emphasise her state as a fairy creature. So in her crone form, she shows up as the washerwoman who is seen washing the blood-stained clothes of those who are about to die. And in this form, she is often referred to as the Ban Nai, the washerwoman. I've also read she shows up as a tiny old crone, almost in a crouching bird-like stance so she has been seen on walls she's there crouching as if she is about to take off in flight it has also been said she shows up at night as a shrouded woman crouched beneath the trees lamenting with a veiled face or flying past in the moonlight crying bitterly in her crone form they say she has long fingernails rotting teeth red eyes rubbed raw from centuries of tears and often seen carrying a silver comb. Many Irish people are often reluctant to pick up a discarded comb for fear of angering a fairy or being taken away to the fairy realm. I heard of a tale where she was spotted by a man who thought she was a child as she was so tiny When he went to approach her, he realised it was a haggard old crone and she ran away at an unnatural speed from him, a speed that no earthbound human could possibly muster. She has also been known to shapeshift and appear in animal form as a crow, a stoat, a hare and a weasel, animals often associated with witchcraft in Ireland. Some believe the Banshee to have her origins in the harsh, strange call of owls. They would believe the Banshee's skirts made the sound of oversized beating wings and the way she flew through the air like a giant bird. Despite how grotesque her appearance is said to be, she is said to be fairly benign. 
Aside from scaring people, the only other activity she indulged in was knocking on doors or windows. She is not always sighted either. Some have reported simply hearing her morning cry, often at night when someone is due to die. There are records of the banshee seen in a somewhat human form when King James I of Scotland was approached by an Irish seeress or banshee who foretold his murder at the instigation of the Earl of Athoyle. Apparently, the king didn't take notice, but he should have, as she predicted correctly. There were said to be other human forms of the banshee or prophetess who attended the great houses of Ireland and the courts of local Irish kings. In essence, the banshee in spirit form could be the spirits of the former keening women. So it is said that in parts of Leinster, her wail sounds so piercing that it can shatter glass. Here she is referred to as the Ban Kaoanti, keening woman. In Kerry, the banshee singing is described as low, pleasant singing. In Tyrone, as the sound of two planks being struck together. And on Rafflin Island, as a thin, screeching sound, somewhere between the wail of a woman and the moan of an owl. Banshees were first mentioned by Sean McCrave in the 14th century historical account, Catherine Forward Hill Bahay. I'm so sorry if you're Irish and I'm butchering all these pronunciations. My Irish ancestors will be turning in their graves. I do look up the pronunciations of all these words, but I couldn't find one for Catherine Forward Hill Bahay, but points to try in and one day I will get most of these correct one hopes I can barely speak the English as you can see I can barely speak the English language language oh my what I can barely speak the English language correctly so I have no idea why I chose to do a podcast that involves multiple pronunciations but here we are anyway so Sean McCrave in the 14th century's historical account one of his creatures says, I am the water doleful that in this land's hill dwellings often sojourn, but in my origin, I am of hell's 2A. And to invite you all, I am come now for but a little while, and you and I should be denizens of one country. Along with the Irish goddess, the Morrigan of the 2A de Danu, the Banshee were thought to live in the Irish burial mounds that dot Ireland's meadows. It was said that their mournful shrieks were said to accompany soldiers into death. We, of course, talked about the ancient Celtic, the Ulster cycle on the Morrigan episode. So this is where the Morrigan was seen in her role of the Banai or the washerwoman when Cúchulainn rides out to war. He encounters the Morrigan as a hag washing his bloody armour in the ford and from this omen, he realises this battle will be his last. The wail the banshee makes is grief-filled and known mortally as keening. Something that I read began with the goddess Bridget who was said to have shrieked over her son's broken body. Which brings us back to the banshee being said to have manifested into human form as the 8th century women known as keeners who were paid in alcohol to sing or cry by the graveside 
to mourn someone's passing and ease their passage into the other world through singing their sad lamenting songs. These songs were called Queene, the Irish word for crying. The Kina was known as the Ban Cayante. They were professionals and some of the best Kinas were in high demand. The best known ones always attended the funerals of the biggest and most well-known people and were much sought after as it was seen the more people mourning at a funeral, the greater the person was said to be. And fairies, of course, were seen to be more talented singers than any humans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, keeners were paid in alcohol and many of these women ended up as elderly alcoholics who were banished from towns and villages once the Catholic Church started to end this tradition. Although I read that in some Irish towns, it carried on into the 20th century for some family funerals. Irish legend speaks of a lament being sung by a fairy woman or banshee. She would sing it when a family member died or was about to die, even if the person who died was far away and the news hadn't yet reached. Some report hearing a banshee cry for several nights in a row before a death. The cry was said to rise and fall and last for at least a few minutes. Often this would be the first warning the household had of the death. The banshee would also be a death predictor, so if someone was entering a situation they may not come out alive from, she would warn them through screaming or wailing. Originally, the banshee appeared to people who were about to suffer a violent and painful death, such as murder. And in later stories, she was known to wail outside their door at night. When several banshees appeared at once, it was said to indicate the death of someone great or holy. The O'Brien family's banshee was thought to be named Aevil, which of course sounds a lot like the word evil. She was said to be the ruler of 25 other banshees who would always be at her attendance. This, however, could link to one story where the wailing of a significant number of banshees signified the death of a great person. The O'Donnell family's banshee apparently lived on a rock overlooking the sea at Dunluce Castle. She cried not specifically just for death in the family, but also the misfortunes the family had ever had and ever will have. The O'Neill's banshee would cry out from the Ulster wood and could be heard from the other side of Loch Ney, where their castle stood. 
Her name was said to be Maeveen, and the family even had a special room set aside for her in the castle. There are two theories I came across as to why the Banshee followed the families that contradict one another. First was to bring the misery with her incessant wailing, and the second that she was a friend of the family who was utterly distraught at having lost someone they loved. Some tales sometimes recounted that the woman, though called a fairy, was the ghost often of a specific murdered woman or a mother who died in childbirth. Others say that the Banshee was usually thought to once have been a normal woman who enjoyed life, was incredibly beautiful and radiated happiness, but some great sorrow overcame her at some point in her life and she became a haggard old woman. She was seemingly very wary of mortals and would disappear at the first sign of any human activity. In fact, she didn't enjoy the company of anyone mortal and travelled as a solitary fairy. When she moved from place to place, people state they have heard fluttering sounds similar to birds flying high. And when she disappeared, all that would be left behind was a cloud of mist. Around Ireland, there are several purported banshee chairs that are wedge-shaped rocks where she would sit and cry for general misfortunes just when she had no deaths to cry for. I'm a crier. Like, I can cry at good things, bad things. I'm notorious for it. I'll just cry over anything, like, random, oranges. Just, yeah, I could give it a good go, genuinely. I could bring the drama. I'm not taking the piss out of the banshee, I promise you. (laughs) She was also known to have cried at the crowning of a true king. And as mentioned earlier, if the family emigrated, it is said that she would often stay at the family seat and lament them leaving there. Despite the banshee not being known to hurt anyone, just scaring the life out of them, she did have a malicious sister spirit called the Lanhorn She or Sweetheart Fairy. She sought out the love of mortal men and their desire for her was so intense they would be driven to madness and ultimately destroyed. So similar entities to the banshee also show up in Welsh, Scottish and Norse folklore. Overall, many have said that the cry from this spirit is mournful beyond all other sounds on earth and signifies certain death to some member of the family whenever it is heard in the silence of the night. So that's it for the Banshee. I took some of the information for this episode from islandseye.com, cladodesign.com, Wikipedia, Warriors, Witches and Women, written by Kate Hodges, YourIrish.com and ConnollyCove.com. And on the subject of death, I feel I'd quite like to read this. This is something I saw on a site called Always With Love, and I have seen it doing the rounds in the witchcraft community. I felt this was really poignant. It reminded me of going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, two things. And like the first was seeing my granddad before he passed. And it was a very strange sensation. And in this, it kind of goes into it. Like, you know, it's just feeling like the vow is very thin. It definitely feels like a bit of a crossover, but also seeing like this is a bit of a trigger warning sorry if you are obviously grieving or you might want to kind of switch off now but 
I just thought I'd sort of read this out. I felt it was somewhat poignant, especially with this episode. Obviously, we talked a lot about family deaths and so on. So this kind of goes into this in the modern day. Anyway, I'm going to stop waffling. But um, so this was on a site called Always With Love. Expected death. When someone dies, the first thing to do is nothing. Don't run out and call the nurse. Don't pick up the phone. Take a deep breath and be present to the magnitude of the moment. There's a grace to being at the bedside of someone you love as they make their transition out of this world. At the moment they take their last breath, there's an incredible sacredness in the space. The veil between the worlds opens. We're so unprepared and untrained in how to deal with death that sometimes a kind of panic response kicks in, they're dead. We knew they were going to die, so their being dead is not a surprise. It's not a problem to be solved. It's very sad, but it's not cause to panic. If anything, their death is cause to take a deep breath, to stop and be really present to what's happening. If you're at home, maybe put on the kettle and make a cup of tea. Sit at the bedside and just, I told you I'm a crier, and just be present to the experience in the room. What's happening for you? What might be happening for them? What other presences are here that might be supporting them on their way? Tune into all the beauty and magic. Pausing gives your soul a chance to adjust because no matter how prepared we are, a death is still a shock. If we kick right into do mode and call 911 or call the hospice, we never get a chance to absorb the enormity of the event. Give yourself five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes just to be. You'll never get that time back again if you don't take it now. After that, do the smallest thing you can. Call the one person who needs to be called. Engage whatever systems need to be engaged but engage them at the very most minimal level. Move really, really, really slowly because this is a period where it's easy for body and soul to get separated. Our bodies can gallop forwards, but sometimes our souls haven't caught up. If you have an opportunity to be quiet and be present, take it. Accept and acclimatize and adjust to what's happening then as the train starts rolling and all the things that happen after a death kick in, you'll be better prepared. You won't get a chance to catch your breath later on. You need to do it now. Being present in the moments after death is, oh my God, I'm so emotional, is an incredible gift to yourself. It's a gift to the people you're with and it's a gift to the person who's just died. <laughs> They're just a hair's breath away. They're just starting their new journey in the world without a body. If you keep a calm space around their body and in the room, they're launched in a more beautiful way. It's a service to both sides of the veil. Oh, God. Sorry, that's just really got me when I read it. Oh, I'm going to shut up now. That is written by um, Sarah Kerr. She is a ritual healing practitioner and death doula, doula, sorry, I still can't pronounce things, but I'm emotional. But I felt that was really important to read because it really got me. Like, I didn't cry when I read it, but here we are anyway. 
I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to be jolly and I'm going to stay. Thank you so much for all your feedback on the podcast recently. I had some wonderful feedback for the Selkie and the Witch episode. Uh, So I just want to say, if you feel the call to, I feel really weird saying all this stuff now because that was just a really emotional moment. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to leave that with you and just say thank you for listening to the show all your support i'm gonna go away and have a cup of tea and a little cry in a yeah in a in a good way um i will catch up with you all soon which is lots and lots of witchy love <laughs>